Hey, food friends, and welcome to the Food Founders Podcast, your number one spot to get mentoring, guidance, and behind-the-scene learnings to help you understand what it really takes to launch, grow, and scale your packaged food or beverage business. On the show, you'll hear from food founders at various stages of growth, and you'll hear from me and my 14 years of packaged food and beverage experience. Each episode is packed with insights, inspiration, and learning to help you on your food business journey. I'm your host, Ainsley, and this is the Food Founders Podcast. All right. Hey, food friends, welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. Today, I am super excited to be chatting with Vasa Martinez from Perfy, which is the hottest new superfood soda on the market. Low sugar, nootropics, adaptogens, delicious. I mean, it's got all the things. Um, So I'm really excited to be chatting today with Vasa. Vasa, thanks for popping on. Great to connect. Likewise. Thanks for having me. Vasa, okay. Perfy is like literally perfy when it comes to everything happening in the food and bev as a whole right now um can you just take a second and just bring everyone up to speed what is perfy and how did you land on creating this this great beverage yeah i'll start with what it is first it's a low sugar soda and it has a blend of albanian ashwagandha and turmeric i wanted to create a, a brain health soda because right now there's so many gut health sodas out there. A lot of them doing very, very well and very appreciative for them creating this new functional soda category um, that we can be a part of. But we're strategically positioned to be a brain health soda, not a gut health soda. And, and the reason I landed on it was I was going through a lot of different personal kind of trauma and pain from losing my best friend, my old roommate, a bunch of other people in my, in my network tragically and, and way too soon. And I dove deeper and deeper into my agency work, working 100-hour weeks to kind of cope with the pain. Everyone kind of does it in their own way. And it ultimately led me to, for the first time in my life, start having some health issues. I developed prediabetes, which I've since reversed. I went to a camp for five weeks last November and December to reverse that. And it was unfortunate that it, it worked out. And I wanted to really pay homage to, one, my friends. Uh, and two, I named it after my mom. It was a, a nickname that I had for her when I was a kid. I actually changed the, the name of the brand when she told me the story last year in April or May. She said I used to call her Perfy when she was putting on her makeup. And I was like, I needed the, I needed a, something I felt really good about. And we went with it. So it's, it's a very meaningful thing that came from a state of need uh, that people seem to be very receptive to. Awesome. I love that. You like You took pain and you turned it into a solution for yourself and for other people, which is what great products are really built off of. Thank you. I like to say that it's turning pain into purpose and it's been very, very helpful as not necessarily a coping mechanism, but a, like when times get tough as a founder and as a solo founder with just me on the team and some outsourced folks during those tough times, it's a lot easier to kind of stay afloat, if you will. It's, it's a lot easier to break through some pain. Yeah, absolutely. It makes it a little bit easier for sure. I mean, you could have gone about turning that pain into purpose in a ton of different ways. I mean, why a soda? You know what I mean? Like it could have been a whole bunch of different things. How'd, like why this specifically? Uh, I was drinking a ton of Diet Dr. Pepper and other drinks. And I was, uh, that's from just like a, a an enjoyment standpoint. And I was buying a lot of Aldini and Ashwagandha and turmeric online in pill format. And I was like, well, I, I love soda and I need these supplements. What if I made a food or a beverage that kind of checked off that box for me? 
And it's been really helpful. You know, I, I strategically put the amounts of L-D-N-E and ashwagandha or turmeric in a way where we can still have a little bit of share of stomach where you don't just drink one and be like, oh, shoot, I can't drink another today. Um, I also chose nootropics and adaptogens that are both safe and, effect- safe and effective over time. So if we drink a perfy or two or three today and we do the same thing at 10 years from now every single day, it'll be both safe and effective as it was on day one. Got it. That's awesome. Kind of like opposite to traditional beverages, like sodas, if you will, where it's like you drink those over a long term and it's probably not going to be the greatest for you. But this it like continuously stacks on the benefits and like there's no harm in it. For anyone who isn't too familiar with like the benefits of different nootropics and adaptogens, what would someone experience from a feeling perspective, from a how their body will react perspective after they drink a perfume? Yeah. So the idea is, you know, one, if, if you're, so my hypothesis is that people are drinking coffee, perfect timing, uh, whether that's coffee or tea or an energy drink in the morning at some point. And it's non-caffeinated because the LDN will help extend that caffeine without having a drop off. There's a lot of products out there that couple caffeine and LDN and they say no jitters. So the idea was I didn't want to have caffeine because I want people to drink soda at dinner and even afterwards without having to worry about staying up. So that's the first part of it. And I wanted to have like, nootropics are typically things that improve cognitive function. And I wanted that because when I I need to focus at work too, it kind of calms me down. It's a funny story. When I was developing uh, Murphy with R&D, the amount of aldeanine in it was, it started at 98 milligrams. And over drinking like, I would say there's 48 different variations across three flavors and taking sips from each can, I, I passed out like on the couch, not even knowing what happened. So I was like, we got to probably punch that down a little bit. And then when it comes to the, 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 the adaptogens, those are things that help with stress and anxiety. There's a lot of good research behind it. Um, there's some on our FAQ when it's, when it, we're on our FAQ, what is albionine? There's a good link there that goes to the, all of the paperwork that, you know, doctors did in the research. So I use things that have a little, little more foundational impact than some of the, you know, like pre-workouts, for instance, if you just add a little nice and it'll give you a tingling feeling in your skin, that doesn't mean that it's more effective than other pre-workouts. So with Perfy, you're going to feel a little bit more calm. If you drink two or three, that's even better. Like it just depends on your tolerance of certain of those ingredients. And the idea is to hopefully um, feel a little bit more calm, a little bit more of a flow. I mean, so needed right now for people, especially as we just see like so many people look to remove alcohol from their life. This is a great alternative. Look to remove coffee, tea, stimulants as a whole. Like this is a really natural way to get those benefits without having to feel like you're sacrificing. Like, you know, I go through phases of drinking coffee, not coffee. I go through phases of drinking alcohol, not alcohol, but it's like, you know, having just like a glass of water is kind of boring. (laughs) You want something to still allow you to have that like fun and enjoy it, right? Yeah. And that's one of the layers of research that I did. You know, I, I had been pondering on this idea for, for years running an agency. You know, there's a certain shelf life for people uh, that run an agency. And for me, I, I felt like I wanted to think ahead of what's next in my, the, you know, the next chapter of my career. And I knew that I ultimately wanted to take on both the risk and reward of having my own thing. And I just, it was something that was just a natural progression for me. Can you talk a little bit about bringing this all together? So like, you knew you wanted to do something in this sphere. You mentioned it's really just you and some outsourced people that you're working with. Talk to me about how you found the right people to help you with that and and how do you manage running running the company that way? So 
it started, um, I would say 2019 is when it really crept up every day. I was thinking like, what's next? What's next? What's next? And 2020, when that hit, I'd actually start talking about it to people that I know. And some were like, oh, you can't do that. Don't do beverage. And no matter what, I just kept coming back to the idea of a really delicious beverage that tastes like, you know, a full sugar version of the traditional counterpart. And just being, you know, I wanted, I wanted to be some sugar, but ultimately I, I finally caved in 2021. So last year I started reaching out to different groups. And the first thing I knew, I have a marketing background, so I wasn't too worried about branding or positioning. I'd get to that later. What I first wanted to do was nail down the product and make sure that I have a liquid that's undeniably delicious. You know, there's some people that it's, it's not for them uh, and that's okay. It's not going to be for everybody. Uh, but the idea was to nail down a liquid that was delicious and different and and had flavors that were really kind of unique. I'm not saying that fruit punch is a unique flavor. I'm saying that our version of fruit punch tastes unique. And people often say that it's a fruit punch that actually tastes like fruit. Fruit punch is one of those flavors where you don't know what's in it. And it, it varies by you know manufacturer. So the idea of that those sorts of flavors where we have our own twist on things uh, was important. Nailing down a, a you know a formula that was delicious had guardrails of under five grams of sugar under 30 calories certain things like that so r&d was the first thing and surprisingly well i guess not surprisingly a lot of r&d groups really didn't give me the time of day and my number one choice just happened to be that one that did they responded we jumped on a call um, a month and a half later we were in r&d and then same kind of idea when it came to ops i'm not an operator i don't know you know, a lot of things about supply chain and logistics and what commands to use or, you know, what 3PLs and those sorts of things. So it was important for me to hire for my weaknesses. I, I didn't create Perfy with a soda stream. I did play with fruit juices and soda streams like everyone else does, but it's not, it's not how I, I formulated it. And I needed to hire for another weakness, which was, was ops. And then once that was done, then I got to play around with the things I love the most, which is branding, positioning and all of that. Got it. So yeah, you knew your weaknesses. You're like, I need to find the right people to help with this. You knew, you know your strengths. And like, I mean, if you guys listening have not seen the Perfy brand, please go check them out. Please go order them. I mean, it's so fun. It it's fun. It's great. It it just it does bring. I know your line is like for happy you, right? And it really does do that when you even just look at any of the branding of it. It really delivers on that. But you knew that was your strength. But then I love that you weren't just like okay, I know this is my strength. I can do a great brand. Let's just like go and find anything. You really went to go find the people to solve for your weaknesses, brought them in the fold and tackled that first because you actually, you like ate the frog. Like you knew that would be the hard part that you didn't necessarily have in your back pocket and you went to go do that. Yeah, it was, I've been fortunate to be on the agency side for five, six years now and see different go-to-market strategies and observe and always be a sponge. We, we have a, a Slack channel on our agency called Always Be Learning. And for me, it's it's a thing that I'll do every day, even when I'm watching movies or shows, or I'm always studying on my phone too, trying to multitask. So learning from others, both good things and bad things to do or not to do is always important to me. And for me, I think every founder is different. You know, I've, I've got the marketing background. I've, I just had uh, Matt Weiss, who has a finance background, who started Ryan Snacks. Everyone has their own jump off point and where they need to hire for their weaknesses is important. So for me, instead of spending 200 grand on a branding agency and a website, I invested heavily in product and ops. And if you have a strong backend that's built to scale, there's risks involved. It's more expensive up front, but you're not caught off guard when things start clicking. And that's where we're kind of where we're focused at right now. We're, we're starting to click. And without the ops team, I, I don't know what I'd be doing right now. Okay. I've got a couple of follow-up questions on all of that. Okay. 
I don't want to forget them all. Okay, let's chat first about about when you went to work with the R&D team to develop it. Did you go in with those guardrails of how you knew you wanted it to look? Or were you like, I know I want it to be better for you. I know I want it to be brain health. Let's see where this goes. Like, How strict were your guardrails when you worked with them? And did you guys have any trouble sticking to those as you developed it? Other than you passing out, having way too much of the alpha and like taking a nap because it's like, hey, this is too relaxing. Yeah. I would say they evolved over time. At first, Perfy wasn't actually going to be a soda. It was going to be a beverage. But I got enough feedback from people that said some things where I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do that. And in hindsight, it kind of frustrates me. An example was like, my skin may be fair, but I'm more than half Mexican. And people are like, oh, Voss, I don't know if you're Mexican enough to do that version of a beverage. And I was like, damn, that, you know, that hurts. But then you see celebrities out there creating tequilas left and right. And it's like, well, that's kind of contradictory. So they definitely evolved. And the, the, the nutritional guardrails were always there. You know, I don't want it to be more than five grams of sugar. I don't want it to be more than 30 calories. Uh, and th- those were important ones. Some things evolved, like the color of the liquid. You know, some people put dyes or colors or certain things to make the color what they want to be. And I said, I want the color of the liquid to sh- shake out the way that the fruit in it does. So it doesn't need to be gorgeous. An example, like Dr. Perfy, our latest flavor is our version of Dr. Pepper. It has blueberries, blackberries, and pear. So when you think about it, that that turns into kind of like a pink, like violet color. And people are kind of surprised when they see it because they think that it should be like a dark, dark brown or black or whatever the caramel coloring that is. But that was one of the gardens. I don't want caramel coloring. I want the I want the color of the liquid to shake out the way that the ingredients call for. And that's partially why turmeric's in the citrus flavors, because it's going to be more orangey, yellowy. So yeah, that those were things that just evolved over time. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, you had some guardrails and then you evolved it. You you knew very clearly what it wasn't going to be, which I think probably your R&D team was probably really helpful for that too. But also like it allowed you to stay true of things. Mm-hmm. It makes it easy if people want to, hey, we should just add this to make it look like this or taste like this when you go in with those strong enough guardrails and allows you to make sure that you end up with what you really wanted to develop at the end. And the, the first month or first couple months, I would say it was more like um, me being a kid in the candy store, like trying to break things. Can we do this or can we do that? And the chemistry and food science of certain things wouldn't allow. You know, one crazy thing that I wanted to do was develop an ecto cooler, like uh, like our version of ecto cooler. It's an old school '90s soda from Ghostbusters with Slimer, and it's a tangerine, oh <laughs> tangerine orange soda. Or, like it's it's from High C. I was like, I want to do our version of ecto cooler. And we learned that based on the guardrails and what Perfy's formulation was ultimately uh, going to be or could be, that we couldn't do certain things. So I didn't want to use artificial colors to make it a bright green ooze looking thing. And I suggested let's do matcha, and matcha turns brown over time inside mm. of the can. So there's things like that where I would say, what if we did this? What if we did that? And then the science would keep me, like it would be, the, be my North Star. And it was the R&D team that kind of kept me in check. That's key. And you had fun with it at the beginning, right? Yeah. How do we have fun? How do we see what this can do? And knowing what those guard rails were allowed you to make sure that you didn't like veer off, even if it even if it seemed like a good idea, you knew what it needed to stand true for, which is, I think, just like a really great case for like knowing what you want it to stand for always and like don't waver from that. Yeah. Okay. How did you manage with people, you know, as a small food and beverage brand just starting out? So many times I think a lot of people encounter what you encountered, like, hey, I've got this great product. Like, can you help with this? Will you do co-packing? Any of these pieces? And 
kind of getting crickets on the other end. How how did you manage that? So I didn't manage the identification of the cofactors. That was part of R and D, where based on the formulation and particular needs of the production of that, the commercialized production of it, that would determine which you know it would really narrow down which commands we can use. So that was extremely helpful. And then you know we kind of did like a scouting thing for the for the 3PL and that was on the ops team side like you know, these are the ones we suggest based on your needs based on your you know minimum order quantities and where you're at and where i was at was at ground zero like i was nowhere yet so we found people that can accommodate based on where Turkey was at which was at the very very beginning and it wasn't so bad i, I had meetings with folks i wanted to make sure that i can trust them from a command side I, you know i've been part of brands with horror stories and i just want to make sure that i can look them you know eye to eye and make sure i trusted them make sure they trusted me and that's how i kind of do business always is more than just like a a handshake it's got to be like a human to human connection where we have each other's best interests in mind got it so that really helps there in terms of like meeting with the people and like again those people that you hired to help you really helps you with all those pieces right yep like for, for me i would have if i didn't have if i didn't hire for my weaknesses even if it's externally uh, with the ops team or the R&D team, I would have been on hundreds of phone calls trying to find somebody. There's a lot of risk involved. So the upfront cost of having these on my books paid for itself because I I, I know I would have made a mistake going to the wrong co-man. And, and with people listening, like the, the impact of, of choosing the wrong co-man or the wrong repeals, there's, there's a lot of freight involved. So moving a lot of things at scale uh, across the country to different places and having that one mistake is pretty costly. And whereas I just wanted to do it right the first time and be ready for that bump when it when it hit. But we're now in that stage. Okay, this is such a huge piece because I feel I always feel like obviously speak with so many food founders, there's two food founders. There's the food founder who is like, I'm going to invest to do this right up front. It's going to cost me a ton. Yes, but I'm going to invest in the people. I'm going to figure out all the things so I don't need to do it 12 times and take a whole bunch longer time. And then there's other food founders who they, you know, I call them like just for now. Like, it's okay just for now. Let's like see how it goes. And then maybe we'll reinvest in and it becomes this like chicken and an egg situation because you can't scale because you don't have the right things set up. You're not getting the listings because maybe you don't look the part. Talk to me. You clearly have the mindset of like, let's invest. Let's do it right now. And like, let's go. And you know that that will get you to the end success a lot faster and save you so much time and energy in the in the long run. Has that always been a mindset that you've had in business? Because I know this isn't your first business. So like, has this always been your mindset? Is this something that you had to cultivate over time? I think I cultivated over time. It's a, a good example of me not doing this is when I first started my agency. I built the website overnight. Uh, you know, I thought of the name and I was like, it doesn't matter what the website looks like. We're not selling anything on here. And like, I guess we're not literally, you can't check out and buy something on the website is what I'm saying. Like I would ultimately use the website to build the agency, but no one ever gave a shit about the agency's website. And it wasn't until we started growing that I, I brought on the first and second hire where they're like, you know, the branding's kind of terrible and the website's terrible. So let's make some adjustments. And that's one where I kind of learned, okay, we can do that. But from a, on the other side of the table, as a food brand, you got to develop trust in some way with customers. And one of the things that people say because of this upfront investment, when they see me at a trade show or we're sampling somewhere, like, how old is your company? And I say, well, you know, at that time, it was like, it's four months old, it's six months old. Now we're eight months old. Or we're going on nine months. Like, like, you look way more mature of a brand than you actually are. You're punching above your weight. And that's kind of one of the 
that's one of the good things that come from trying to do it right out the gate. You know, I, I think that it was important for me to really get it as get it as right as possible. An example of another good thing that come came from this is my cogs were very very bad on our first production run. Having a team of professionals that can help me think through how to reduce them allowed me to improve my gross margin by 325% in just four to six months from production one to production two. And we're about to do that same thing again on the third production with different ways to find efficiencies. So if I didn't have those, not only, I, I probably would have saved money. Yeah, I don't have a retainer front ops team, but I would have paid for that on the back end with errors that I made and misjudgments. So because I had people that can keep me in line with what's the right thing to do, because I invest in that, I don't have to pay for mistakes. I'm paying for just getting it done right. And that allows you to grow so much further, so much faster, because it also becomes this thing as well. Like business is such a mindset thing, right? And it's like, oh, shoot, this isn't working. Oh, shoot. And it's like, you almost don't have the like same confidence if you are, you know, don't find a way out of addressing some of those pieces, but you know, you have a great team behind you to help make this possible. And you guys are continuously refining pieces. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you guys do not look like you're eight months old at all which is amazing, right? And that's really hard to do. And I know it took a ton of time up front to get there. How have people been hearing about you? You guys have had some great PR and you guys clearly know the marketing piece. Like, okay, guys, I also have to say like Vasa is like a marketing for CPG genius, right? Like this is what Growth Busters does. It focuses on CPG growth. So you guys had that going on. So I mean, that's huge. You were able to to leverage that. So like, what are some of the marketing strategies that you guys decided to implement for your business to help get the word out there? So most of the ideas that have come to mind and that I've executed on with Perfy have been ideas that have been shut down by other food and beverage companies over the past 10 years. Some of them I haven't even brought to life yet, but they're on my radar. Just things that I wanted to do, whether I was at Quest Nutrition or for clients or when I was director of marketing at a couple other places after Quest Nutrition, they're things that people just said no, they didn't have an open mind. So for me, having an open mind has been the most powerful thing for me. I know that one of the biggest struggles, especially with you know limited funds, is getting in your own way. Getting in your own way can not only cost dollars, but it can cost time. And for me, time is of the essence. I need to make an impact today. I don't want to wait six months to just you know do it right or ask 1,200 different co-founders about their opinion on it because at the end of the day, marketing by committee committee is not efficient. It's not productive. And you're not going to get, it's, I won't even go into it, but I've been able to just do things that have been shut down. Like Dr. Perfy has her own LinkedIn. You know, she applies to jobs as like a, a meme account on LinkedIn because LinkedIn is always just so, so serious. And she's just a fun character that I want to turn into the next Bart or Lisa Simpson. And she's an NFT by the doodles who's on our Dr. Perfy limited edition can. So things like that, she has her own resume. You know, she applies to Fortune 500 companies and it does, it does nothing for sales. But people are always like, oh, I saw that Dr. Perfy somewhere. I follow your LinkedIn. Or I follow your podcast or um, I saw you on Twitter. So I haven't spent really much on on advertising. I've just been using organic social the way that I wanted to for literally a decade now. And it's been kind of breaking through, not at an enormous level, but it's been one of those things where people know about us. That's You're just having fun with it, which is what yeah. I love. You know, yeah. like you're having fun and you're like, oh, let's see where this goes, right? You're not, you don't take it too serious, which I actually kind of think it's kind of like one of the keys to success. Yeah, we're we're basically selling happiness in a can. Although I went through what I had to to get me to this point to create something that is hopefully going to sh- you know spread happiness um, for other people. We 
don't want to take ourselves too seriously. The only time we will is when we're talking about, you know, injustices in the food system and, you know, bans on certain ingredients. But at the end of the day, we're just going to have fun. An example, like my phone is going off crazy right now because we, uh, I'm, a, I'm friends with Paul Vogue from, from Ouroboros. And they just launched two hilarious, like, like really launched these flavors that are like green bean casserole, sparkling water. And I'm like, they're so crazy. It's awesome. They're having fun too. So I made a Paul's, Paul Vogue's beer, like fake mock-up of a limited edition perky flavor. And I just want to have fun. Like LinkedIn is, is way too serious sometimes. It's sometimes a little bit braggadocious where, you know, I, I get why. Um, but for me, I just want to do things differently. Um, it, if something's hit, something's don't. But the cool part is I'll learn either way. Yeah, that's, I love that. You're just having fun with it. You're, you, you also have that mentality like, Hey, I'm going to learn one way or another. And you kind of give it like the rain. You had strict guardrails for product. Now you get to have unlimited guardrails because you get to decide how it goes forward that way. And like, that's obviously been working well for you guys in terms of getting the word out there. People really know what your brand stands for. And it's like provocative and different without, I don't know in different ways. Do you guys do other things as well? Like do you, where, what other social channels are you active on? Or is your like meme, meme-ness on LinkedIn? Is this your, your secret sauce right now? LinkedIn is my secret sauce right now. I'm, I'm, mm. I'm known to just be a complete TikTok hater. We were on there when I was building in public. And, you know, at that time people were like, oh, this is a joke. You're never going to really have a soda company. And then, and then we launched, you know, four months later, um, or actually it was nine months later, but we ultimately, wanted to build in public, try to create some sort of buzz around the brand. Like what is, what is Vasa and Growth Buster up to? And I knew that I wouldn't have the enormous amount of funds that our competitors might have. So I had to do something that to just build a buzz the entire time. I know build a buzz is very like broad, but that's just the idea. So we're not on TikTok. I will start doing TikTok videos. I just, I just think it's too negative right now. There's literally been times where people have trolled so bad with anonymous accounts with a bunch of alphanumeric combinations. And I literally had to respond to them saying, Hey, if there's anything going wrong in your life, just DM us. We're here to talk. And you know, if we could be a help in any way, we will. But it's just, it's sometimes too negative. And I guess that's part of it. You know, it happened on MySpace. It happened on Facebook. It happens in every social media account. Um, but for me, it was a little bit above average on what we've seen in terms of trolls. So I, I, I think it's kind of, I wouldn't say off brand for us to be on there. I just think it's hard to help at scale on TikTok right now because there's just so many people on it getting off on being completely terrible to people that they don't even know saying things that they don't even meet. So LinkedIn and Twitter has been it for me. Also networking, being part of Naturally LA, going to BevNet, going to Expo East, we'll be at Expo West, getting product in people's hands, letting them try it and see that smile after they taste it because it's something they totally didn't expect. That's been the plan for me. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I also really like the fact that you recognize like, hey, this channel isn't working right now for us. It's okay to pause it and not be on there right now. I think a lot of brands struggle with that. Oh, I said I was going to stay on this channel. So I must stay on this channel and everything must stay the same. Like, because I started here, am I going to like, you know, what does it look like? And and you've really been okay with being like, hey, this isn't aligned with us right now. This isn't helping us in the way that we want it to, um, both from like your mission. Your mission is to sp- spread happiness for people. And if it's not aligned, you're okay with being like, hey, this isn't for us right now. Yeah, I think shiny toy syndrome is is very prominent in CPG. And for me, it was one of the ones where I'd, I'd rather spend that time on a, a cocktail recipe or, mm. you know, I'd rather spend that time jumping on a podcast or having somebody online. It's it's one of the ones where it's not 
there's a chance of hitting big and striking gold. There's also a chance of just going down a rabbit hole of negativity. And for me, I'm not, not, I'm just not ready for it. I actually get anxiety before I click into it. Like when there's a notification, like what's going to happen today. And it's one of the ones where I'm quite okay not being on there. Um, I think that I'd rather spend my dollars and or, or not really GB shoots for free from Perfect, but um, I'd rather post really dope content on Instagram or something, something else. It's just can't do it. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And being okay with that. I'm with you. I can't do the TikTok. I think I was on it for like two days and I was like, I don't like this. Um, like this is not, that's not feeling good. I'm not feeling this. Um, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm with you. I, I do think it's fun though. Like some of the lives, there's people playing games and it's just some of the random stuff. It's very cool to see social media evolve. Just really be, I actually minted one of the worst things I've ever read as a comment on, I, I ran ads. I tested ads on TikTok when Perfectly first launched, quickly stopped that. It went all right. I was just, I don't think I want to do this, but somebody was so mean that I screenshot the comment and uh, turned it into an NFT on OpenSea. So if one day anyone wants to buy the worst like comment that anyone's ever said, like across my entire CPG history, it's there for purchase. Man, that is going to be worth like gold one day in terms of like, okay, Perfect has been on a really great trajectory right now, right? You know, five years from now, people are going to be like, oh my God, someone actually said this about them? Like, that's genius. I love that. And again, you're just having fun with it. You're like, okay, cool. Like, you also have this, this like confidence that like, I know it's going to get there in our way that we are going to take it there. That's great. And you're just, yeah, I love that. You're having fun with that. And nothing's kind of like out of the realm. Oh, man, I gotta, I'm got. i going on OpenSea after this to go and see yeah. what that comment was. Just be like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, bad perfume reviews, number one. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, we, we got some one-star reviews on the website. Like, you know, they said it was just not for me. It's a little too sweet or whatever. But this one, this guy was, or, or gal, I, I think it was a guy. I think the, the handle was a guy. I, I might've blocked it out, but they went off. Like they're like, it was, it's so awesome. When you, when you find it, you'll, you'll get a kick out of it. Oh my gosh, yeah. People got other things going on if the yeah. soda is going to upset you that much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Where are where can people find your product right now? We're, we just rolled out into Lassen's in SoCal. We're in Foxtrot in Dallas, Chicago, DC. We're in ShopRite in the Sacred ShopRite stores. And we're rolling out into the Village ShopRite stores in December. We've got some really big news in Q1. Coupled a lot of rollouts in Q1. That will get us to about a thousand doors in our first 12 months. And that's a number that I really wanted to hit. And then from there, I'll be really focused on making sure the turns are good and you know, our velocities are where they need to be, making sure that we're not average on shelf turning, if we're on dry shelf, turning that into cooler uh, placements, those sorts of things. And I'll be turning a new leaf with this retail support. I've always been a digital to retail marketer where you build online communities and call them to action in store. So it's exciting for me to actually like, have so much vested interest in a brand, building an online community and being able to roll out in retail and have the army support uh, when we're there. So that's kind of been the main main focus for me. I um, can't announce them yet, but I can say that very strong regionals and we open up a couple of new channels. Very exciting. And yeah, Thousand Doors in 12 months is great. That's really awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Great job. You've been doing all the right things, you know? Um, absolutely. Which is so exciting. And then you mentioned that community has been a big piece in terms of having that. And that obviously is going to be part of the secret sauce to help with those turns. How have you managed that for the brand? So my whole game plan is to be spotted online in some way, shape or form. 
and to create some sort of familiarity effect when we're on shelf. I always crack this joke with the agency, but it's kind of like when you're on like a, a dating site on app. And I, I haven't been on one in years. I've got a girlfriend, so she's listening to this. It's not a recent thing. But imagine you see somebody on that app. They're like, I recognize that person. Do I work with them? Did I, did they, you know, whatever it might be. So creating that same kind of effect, but I saw them online or on LinkedIn when I'm on the shelf. That builds a little bit of trust and then have the right executions on shelf to incentivize them to try the product. And coupling those things is, is very important for me. Create some sort of familiarity, kind of break down that icebreaker when they see you or find you on shelf. And then there's a symbiotic relationship between my acquisition channel being retail. Most people spend money on ads and win over customers and then try to um, you know, have them support you at retail. I want to win customers and acquire them at the, at the shelf and then have a retention set up on my website. People call Perfy a, a DSC beverage. Uh, that's the last thing that we are. We are just optimized for people if they wanted to, to stock up on shelf. Yeah, if they want to buy a 12 pack or you know 24 cans at the retailer, even better. But if they want some sort of you know convenience and have things shipped to their door, uh, our website is really geared towards being our retention channel with different you know bells and whistles that we have on it. So online communities built really building you know, a relationship with people, not just using community as a buzzword. That's important for me. That's one of the things that really is very clear in speaking with you and everything that, you know, you have talked about with, with Perfy and what I see about Perfy is that there's this true level of authenticity behind it all. And it's not just, oh, let's just do this because it's the hottest new thing. It's like really being true to yourself and having fun with it. And if something doesn't feel aligned, not doing it, right? Really, that authenticity really shines through with everything. Thank you. Yeah. How's it going? It's, uh, and it's really working for you guys, which is, which is amazing. Okay, I have like, I've got a ton more questions, but I just have like, I think two more questions. How, I know that you have great culture with your agency. How have you managed culture with having you know, external people like freelance companies working with you with Perfy, how have you managed that? Is it something you feel like you've managed well? I hope so. Um, I mean, we can we can send a, a anonymous survey to our, <laughs> our vendors and see what they think about me. But I think it's been helpful being on the agency side. We've been sometimes treated very very poorly by people who hire us for our services, and I think that for me, having that experience being treated like crap allows me to see. Like, hey, I get it. You know, I, I just, I try not to be rude to any of our vendors. I don't think I have been. There's some times where I've got to be stern because I, I don't want to be a pushover, but I ultimately just try to have fun. I try to crack as many jokes as possible on vendor calls. I try to make it as fun as possible. I try to live, you know, what Perfy's trying to do and be happy. There's times where I get stressed or, you know, things are on my mind or there's just too much on my plate, but I try not to let that impact relationships. I think if people enjoy working for a brand, they do a lot better. I know that for GB, when we're pumped on brands that we work with and they don't treat us like crap, we're, we'll go above and beyond without even asking. We try, we'll even go above and beyond if you treat us like crap, we just won't like it. That's been helpful being on both sides of the table. Yeah, that makes a big difference for sure. For anyone who is starting out on their food founder journey, maybe they have an idea for a product and they're not really sure what to do next um they're not really sure what that looks like i mean what advice do you have for anyone who is who is in those early stages of creating a food or beth brand um whenever i get asked this question i start with this if it's something that you can dedicate your life to and possibly 
everything that you own to. That's the first step. If it's something that's like a, I mean, I, like Matt Weiss again, he was just on on Food Chain. It was a side like a side hustle for him for a little bit, and then it took off, and he's like, all right, I'm out on his on his you know corporate job. There's that part too, and I totally respect that. But for me, I knew that I couldn't do the agency being the CMO for Outer Isle and Perfy if I wasn't fully invested in it. So before I even took a penny from anybody else, I literally sold everything I owned. And I knew that this was all or nothing. And that was big for me. That was a big moment. Some people always say like, why invest your money when you can invest others? I think that's such a cop out and so unethical. And I wanted to make sure that investors knew that I had everything in on this, that I wasn't just going to be, you know, playing around. So I, I think that's an important thing. It makes, it makes the tough days a lot easier. Like when you get through, when you have to get through some hurdles and some challenges, it's just what you have to do. It's not like a, I, I have to do this. It's like, I, I get to do this. So that's important. And then do a lot of research. I mean, it doesn't have, you don't have to spend tons of money. Um, I just I honestly Googled and YouTube and, and that's the same thing. I, I, I did everything from like pretty much free. I spent time over a couple of years, like, you know, is this even a thing? I mean, there's free resources out there. I think, um, oh, I forget the name, like Greenview Research is one where I looked at some numbers that was very helpful uh, in choosing my first three fruity flavors. Like I, I went three fruity flavors on purpose because the rise in requests for fruity things was pretty high compared to traditional sodas. So there's things and insights you can find. I think it's super important to find an insight. I think a good example of that is the people who created Muddy Bites. Like, what an awesome idea. Everyone was waiting for that last part of a drumstick, you know? So if you got something like that, do it. Uh, if you have a, a strategic point of difference and, and positioning, uh, do it. If it's just to do it for money, I, I think it's going to be tough, especially right now. You're going to get, you're going to hear no way more than you hear yes. And if you don't have thick skin and if it's just kind of for fun, I think it'll be tough. That's awesome advice. That's really key. And I see you living that through everything that you do, which is really encouraging. I think for other food founders and honestly for the industry as a whole, yeah, for the industry as a whole, you know, have the skin in the game, do things differently do things that are aligned to you and do something that actually makes a difference and that you want to see in the world right yeah i mean i wanted to create something that actually solves a problem uh, and at the very least bring people joy and i think that soda is one of those drinks where i mean think of every traditional soda commercial you've ever seen it's somebody drinking a bottle smiling at the end i wanted to do that you know without the metabolic impact <laughs> love it Awesome. Vasa, thank you so much for sharing your story and for bringing this to the world. I mean, nootropic soda, superfood soda, great for mind health, great for bringing happiness for people and really just shaking up what's happening in the CPG world. If you guys want to get your hands on Perfy, you can find them in the stores that Vasa mentioned. You can also go to drinkperfy.com um, and get your hands on that. And uh, yeah, I look forward to continuing to watch you to grow and supporting the journey. Thanks so much. That's it for this week, food friend. Thanks for tuning in. If the show helped you in any way, please go ahead and leave a rating or review of the show below. I also want to thank our sponsor one more time, the Food Brands That Sell program, the program to transform how you navigate the CPG industry and ultimately sets you up for success within it. Go ahead and get yourself on the waitlist using the link below, or you can put yourself on the waitlist at foodbrands.sellwaitlist.com. Catch you next time, food friend.